beginning. Now here's a kid whose whole world twists around in the sky. He wakes up and heads for the bastard. Thank you, Liam. Yay. Thank you, Logan Cunningham. <laughs> Thank you so much for your lovely voice narrations. I thought that was going to turn into... Wait, I thought that was going to turn into he picks up his headphones and clicks play on iTunes music. Oh, oh I should have done it. Max. Up. He, he, pick, he <laughs> picks up his trusty headphones. It's too late. It's too late. It's Let too it die. Late. The bit's done. <laughs> Guys, welcome to the Crit Crew. We're talking about Bastion. 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 Dumb. If you can't tell, it's um, a very well voice act narrated game. I didn't yeah, voice it. I didn't voice it. I don't worry, guys. I did not voice act this game. Right. I mean, if you played the game, you, it would be hard to distinguish between Max and the actual guy because it was just it is so a, note for note so identical. Uncanny, I swear. At least this, one he's of actually us tried putting it. Least, more like it. At least right one of us tried the voice. <laughs> <laughs> Sick burn. I was too Sorry, busy. Sorry, guys. This, epi- this episode is going to be delayed because we got to get some real truths out right now. Got to get some. Oh yeah, yeah. Real, real world talk. Married boy. Yep. Oh yeah. <laughs> yes. As a as a married man, I think I am more qualified to talk about this than the two of you guys. <laughs> <laughs> but for real, we're talking about Bastion. Um, Max, this has sort of become your de facto role because you actually write more notes than we do what is bastion about bastion is a post-apocalyptic game oh fallout it's yeah (laughs) yeah bastion basically fallout 4 no um (laughs) it is sorry yeah so oh he wasn't ready bastion oh no bastion is a uh RPG action isometric platformer uh, made by Supergiant Games. Supergiant. That's a hell of a that's a hell of a word salad. You just yeah, made. I know. Delicious RPG isometric platformer. There you go, folks. Cool, <laughs> cool. But yeah, basically, it is a above you fixed perspective um, kind of. It's an interesting platform because you don't really like jump. Mm-hmm. You you just walk around. You the, roll. You roll. But you walk around. It, it's kind of like Diablo. You. Like in terms yes. of the perspective, right? Yes. But yeah. basically, it takes place in a world that has been fractured to pieces um, by a non-specific apocalyptic event called the Calamity. Um, used to be used to be a large city of Caledonia, and now there's a lot of nothing. So the game intro like quite, like, quite literally, you're in a void. Yeah. yeah, there's nothing. You intro the game waking up. Actually, you intro the game hearing the narrator's voice before anything else. Um, and the narrator introduces you to the kid who is a silent protagonist. And Caleb has left the room. Is he grabbing his cat? Okay. Perhaps. Okay. So. <laughs> All right, we're still going. We're still, we're still going, going, I guess. It's still alive. So, basically, you wake up as the kid in this sort of delicately floating world. I think that's the, sort of the best phrasing. It's that's it. You got yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's this ephemeral place. Yeah, I mean, I mean, quite literally, you're on like these platforms floating in the void, and then mm-hmm. yeah, as, as you that sort of like around, materialize in front of you. Yeah, the the world materializes around you. So, and the implication is that the the calamity has turned the landscape into what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and this landscape is populated by gas bags, wind bags, and squirts. These are all disgusting guys. <laughs> They're great. I love I got the, the squirts. Things. The <laughs> Ankle gators. Basically, yeah. They're they're your they're your uh, your enemies. Um, 
they're kind of weird. They're like kind of like weird, like ghosty looking people almost. Mm-hmm. If you if you look it up, the aesthetic and like sort of the character design alternates between almost like a steampunk western and oddly cartoony. It kind of like it's, Final it's, Fantasy cartoon- characters. Car- really, cartoon- that's a good way yeah. of putting it. Cartoony Final Fantasy steampunk western. Mm-hmm. I would say. Yeah. Okay. That that's that's this a. Is- that's the look that they're going for. Yeah. Nothing we have said is comprehensible. <laughs> I mean, uh, if, if you, you bre- know someone you... about video games, I think you'll know. Yeah. yeah. If you break each of those words down, they correspond to right. an end product. And the end product is Bastion. <laughs> <laughs> right. So basically, as you progress, you're trying to like find anyone that survived cuz not a lot mm-hmm. of people have. I think in yeah. the course of the game there are four characters. The kid who never says anything. Actually, no one says anything besides the narrator, really. <laughs> the, nar- the narrator... Uh, eh? you know, I don't think eh? so. I, mean, I, th- I think they might have had, like, one line at some point, and then but they, I, I genuinely don't... And then there are... We'll get to we'll get to the music later, because that is an important thing to talk about. Um, and I think, yep. I think there's actually a song that is implied that Zia is singing it. So basically, the f- it your four characters are Ruck, the narrator... The kid, who is never really given a full name. He's just sort of your... Uh... It's weird because he doesn't have a name, so I think you can like reflect onto him, but he's also very specific in the way he looks. Mm-hmm. He's just, cool. I mean, he's just... It's, it, whatever. He's just the kid. He's the kid. And then you have Zulf and Zia, who are a pair of uh, Ura individuals. Ura are a... Um, marginally disenfranchised subterranean race they say. look mm-hmm. entirely different also to be noted than uh the kid and the narrator like they they have like this renaissancean sort of like appearance to them mm-hmm. uh, very like well-dressed yeah. mm-hmm. well the kid's got like rags yeah yeah he's just he looks like uh someone who would be a blacksmith you know that kind mm-hmm. of look anyway and then yeah you uh you just you progress through the world and there's sort of it's pretty cool because the I always felt like the narrator really responds to what you're doing. So he's talking like mm-hmm. he intros what's going on in the story to you, but he also just sort of talks about like then the kid rages for a while and breaks a bunch of trees. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Do yeah. you want to just like quickly like there we could go for a while just talking about the individual story beats. Do you want to just sort of like speed ahead to how this game ends? Like that, that is, I mean, that that's the story. There, there are a lot of details as you progress through it, but like that is essentially the story. I mean, what you that find would... out. I mean, it's important to note, like the calamity was caused because your people, like the kids' people, were going to try to like basically commit genocide on the Ura. Um, it backfired, destroyed everything. Um, Zulf finds out and wants revenge. Some some nonsense happens, and then at the very end, you choose to save him or not. Yeah. And all of this culminates in deciding to, like the Bastion, that what this yeah, game we, is called. We didn't is mention. This, we like, didn't mention what the Bastion is. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. See, you were trying to zip ahead. Okay. <laughs> um, the ba- the bastion is sort of well, it, it's a bastion. Like it's a sort of. Um, it was it was the agreed upon place where everyone was going to congregate, and like it was basically a futuristic fallout shelter. Like yeah. it was meant to survive apocalyptic events. And it and serves, the whole game is about repairing it. it as a gameplay element, it serves as your hub world. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Basically, basically, that, but the way- that's that's where you get your shit done. And you can upgrade, yeah. you can, like, start um, by collecting crystals, like, you can um, build certain um, upgrades for the Bastion um, as well, mm-hmm. which helps with your character. 
Um, but the way this game ends is you find out the Bastion sort of has a uh, B-side, an, alter- an alternate purpose, mm-hmm. where you can either, um, once it's repaired, you can either go back in time and try to, like, you basically go, th- like, it's it sort of creates a circular narrative. You go back in time and replay the events again because you're not ready to move forward. Or you can use it to become basically a floating fortress that you decide to just, like, sort of go out and adventure in this new apocalyptic world to see, like, can we make this world better instead of reliving our past? Mm-hmm. That's sort of how, that's how the game ends. That's the story. That's the story. Yep, that's, uh, that's Bastion in a nutshell. Cool. Cool. So now we can actually talk about art and stuff, guys. We can talk about what makes this. Now we can talk about what makes this game real good. Mm-hmm. So I mentioned. Where do we want to start? <laughs> I mentioned it briefly before, and I said we'd get back to it. This game, aside from having really, really phenomenal voice acting, um, really phenomenal voice acting, and very well written um, voice acting, uh, has really, really, really good music. Like, yeah. very good music. Um, I actually think that that's kind of... I think it's won a couple awards for its music. It's got a reputation for the, the sound of everything. If it hasn't, it absolutely deserves it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It, it has just such a great environmental feel to it. Um, combine that with the... Like, they really commit to their visual aesthetic, and they pick a music aesthetic that goes with it. And also, like, let's let's mention that the team, like, okay, for people who are unfamiliar with how this game was developed, um, Greg Kasavin, who used to be um, a an editorial on Gamespot.com, he was there for years. He kind of broke away and formed just a little indie studio of I think like three or four people, and the artist really there was like a singular artist. Um, I think her name Jen Z is her name. Um, but she was responsible for creating the aesthetic of this world. Um, and it's, it's just like all delivered in a very like three dimensional, but painterly illustrated style. Um, Mm -hmm. but it's just, it's so consistent across the board, um, and is striking in its execution, but it's just, it's crazy that this team, um, is really when it comes down to it, a handful of people. Mm-hmm. So and it's but, it's very yeah. colorful too. Uh, very vibrant. A lot of for real. If you have not googled this game yet, do it now. I know we say this every time, but like it's <laughs> it's real important for this one. It's hard. Right. It's hard to talk about aesthetics if you don't know what it looks like. Yeah, yeah, it, and it, you know, I think that a lot of, especially being a game that is so revolving around apocalypse, uh, it's cool that it's so colorful because that's not always the case. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it is very it is the most beautiful apocalypse you will ever see mm-hmm. beautiful apocalypse. <laughs> um, well it just it commits it commits to this idea that it is like of this um ephemeral sort of place um and it is an agreed upon uh, last refuge but you know it it's it's just so beautifully saturated um, mm-hmm. What are there areas that are, are less of, of that? I'm trying to think in my mind. Um, no, not really. No, the it's, game it's is all just, sort of that the game aesthetic. is just good looking. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, like you'll get to the end where like there are less colors because it's an ice world, but it's right. still they, gorgeous in its own right. They mm-hmm. they saturate it in a way that they make it like the the fact that it's this like huge body of single colors is the point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, they just they like they know how their environment feels, and actually, 
that's I think an interesting thing where this game really succeeds is they really know how you like approach their world and it's designed that way. They they mean the the um, paths that create themselves as you walk really work to their advantage. Mm-hmm. Between like having a narrator that's responding to you, having a world that's responding to you, and then I, having things I that also... are like so delicately and intentionally designed. Yeah, I think that's also like a very interesting approach for that isometric view. Uh, if you look at you know the old Warcraft and Diablo games, the, your way of discovering the world was sort of seeing this sort of like black, cloudy void that would slowly uncover as you'd kind of you felt like you were sort of shrouded in darkness, mm-hmm. and you didn't feel like you you felt very claustrophobic. But with Bastion, because of the fact that you know you have this very open colorful view kind of materializing in front of you in conjunction with the narration sort of um, encouraging the player to try different things just to see what the reaction will be it it feels like a delightful discovery um, as opposed to um, rts and dungeon crawlers of of past Mm -hmm. it's very Mm -hmm. it's very different though there's almost like a tight roping quality to bastion i always feel how so? It, That's a good way of putting it. Yeah, it, like it, it, you kind of like don't have a lot of consistency in knowing what the world's going to be when you walk into it. So you kind Very of just true. get used sure. to thinking on your feet. Mm-hmm. Um, if you guys are cool with me changing the subject, there is there is a question I want to pose to dive into some of the meat of this game. Okay. Let's go get some uh, meat. We're, there's a there's just a pool of meat, and we're gonna do a swan dive into it. A scro- I, I gave a scrooge, myself the shivers. A Scrooge McDuck dive into the meat vault. Ugh. Are we in a Benihana right, yeah, right, right now? What's going on? Not, I'm just saying now, Scrooge McDuck meat dive is the fan art request for this episode. <laughs> Be warned. Um, anyway, so when when I like when this game first came out, a lot of people like it was highly recommended. I've only heard praise for this game for the most part, but I think it's interesting that when I hear people praising this game, it's mostly for like the gameplay and the aesthetic. And it seems interesting to me that the story is rarely talked about from what I hear, Mm -hmm. but they seem to have put a lot of work into it. What do you guys make of that? They did put a lot of work into it. Um, I think that games that have uh, narrative stories which aren't told... So since you don't have, like, a, like... All all the story you have to kind of piece together. A lot of it becomes, like, Mm -hmm. environmental and, like, relating things from the narrator who is a character so he does have his own like spin on things and then Mm -hmm. like trying to like relate what the narrator says to journal entries you find in little like uh, mementos that's not easy and they did a really good job of making a story with like a plot that's kind of veiled Uh, I think that that might be part of it but it is it, it, it is interesting though as someone who is like pretty far removed from playing this game I think it was um, Max, do you know when this came out? 2011? Is that accurate? I think it's, I think it's 10. 2010. Um, it, it has, it, at the time, resonated with me, but um, I could not have told you a single plot thread from this entire game. I, I think it's the lasting <laughs> impact of it for me is uh, narration sort of encouraging player exploration of a really tight... I mean, we should also say that the, like mechanics um of how you're interacting with the world um very well streamlined and really well executed um Mm -hmm. but that that's sort of my the takeaway of bastion that has 
um, left a, a lasting impact with me. So mm-hmm. definitely not the, the narrative. Because I wonder, and this is something I've said about a couple games now, and it's not always fair, but I wonder if in some, like, in some ways they put too much focus on the story where it wasn't needed. Because, mm-hmm. like, uh, in between the levels, there are all these, like, little side things you can do. Like, part of the mechanics of this game is that you have two weapon slots, and you get weapons throughout the game. And each one of those has a training ground where you, like, go to this training ground, and there's a little challenge, like, break X many targets with the crossbow. Mm-hmm. Um and each time you go there, there's, like, the narrator's, like, yeah, like, so you get the spear, and they're, like, the brushers patrolled, like, the jungles of the area, and they, like, fought these, like, wild beasts. And, like, every single one has its own, like... Backstory. Like, yeah. like a role of, like, the people who use the weapon. And it almost feels like adding so much detail that ultimately... I can't tell if it adds to that universe or not. I'm leaning towards no, Does though. Not, yeah. I would disagree. I think that the, okay. Let's. See. I think that's exactly what I want to hear. <laughs> I think that the reason why you're thinking that the na- that the narrative is less important is I, th- I think in this we're in a conversation where Bastion is struggling from having everything be good. It's hard when everything in your game works. The <laughs> gameplay is tight. It, the music sure. is tight. The aesthetics are great. Everything works. The like it just is. Everything about Bastion is good. There's no <laughs> weakness to it. Mm-hmm. Whether or not the, I mean that's all. It's all flavor text that we're talking about. Basically, does the does the lore flavor text matter? Ultimately, uh, lore flavor text never matters. But if you have a really good narrator mm. and you and you want to have this kind of universe, you might as well go for it. And I think the narrator is a really nice way of introducing mm-hmm. flavor text. I I agree. I agree with that sentiment. Um, it could have very easily been. Um, relegated to a menu screen where a lot of like you know the the idea of a codex where you're sort of reading about uh, a weapon you picked up or you know this is a, an enemy type and this is the information behind it and it's it can be more of a daunting task to you know look at something like mass effect which is nothing but codex entries um, with their mm-hmm. established universe and you kind of have to really dig into it in order to get a better sense of the world but it having a narrator give a little aside maybe that's a couple sentences is far more of a like accessible way of allowing the player to sort of get an idea of maybe what is relevant and what isn't my issue is that you know some things just maybe didn't need to be fleshed out necessarily um the, yeah the thing that i like about, i guess go ahead I, the reason I'm asking is just because I am a sucker for narrative to the point where I will normally prioritize it, even if it, I shouldn't be, and things I'm looking for in a game. And like with all the detail they added, that has it just has no staying power with me. Like I replayed Bastion, I think just last year, and I still like and that's probably the third time I've beaten it, mm-hmm. and I still had to like look up what happened in the story before we recorded this to remind myself. Oh, I mean the story. I think part of it is that there are other things that ha- that have a much more memorable vein to them. Mm-hmm. Um, here's the thing. I actually think that those training ground levels are some of my favorite levels. Um, there's something... I, I, I really like them, actually. I think that there's something interesting about all of them having this kind of sense of nostalgia. And that's, I think, kind of part of it. A lot that's, of yeah, a lot fair. of A lot of the story is not as much rooted in the present as it is in the past. Um... A lot of it's kind of self-reflective, which I think is interesting. Then, when your ending becomes an option to travel back in time, uh, there's mm-hmm. this—that's that, like as an underlying notion of the game—is this kind of feeling of 
like they almost like don't focus on like how bad things are now and they're more like this is how things were though which is kind of cool and i, I like that is worth go you can finish no I, I didn't really have much more i was just gonna say and I, I like how it reads and i like how they work especially those trading ground levels where you're getting kind of you're almost getting the trading ground serve as like backstory to the weapon right um but what you brought up is like when we talk about you know one of the things that makes games art is what like the message that it will try to impart on their like the player mm-hmm. and you sort of hit on it's very interesting you know having this game end with do you want to try to fix the past or move forward in the future and you're right like this game is like there's a very heavy sense of nostalgia like man things used to be like do you guys remember when like this was great? Yeah, I miss these times. I mean, like, why can't we go back to that? Think about the. It's a very like. I mean, the, it's not what I, if. Go ahead. Well, I was just say real quick. Like those challenge sequences are just nostalgia too. They're all back. They're all like backstory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for like, and just if you just look at the pictures of this game and how like colorful and just sort of like goofy the gameplay is, you would not expect it to try to like punch at such a high message. Yeah, I remember like. I think it's the level where you meet Zulf. Isn't he just like st- standing in a crowd of people that have been turned to stone? I mean, there's I some. So. There's Jesus. some. Yeah, there's some really <laughs> some dark heavy stuff shit in, there. Like, you, like, oh yeah, like you got to keep in mind the fact that there are four players in this game, not because like everybody else is gone. Everyone else is assumed dead. Like, mm-hmm. we've got like four people. This like the entire notion of the game is trying to track down anyone that's maybe survived. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's cute. It's cute with dark implications. And also, it ends in a pretty heavy note too. So like, yeah, explain the ending the, for me. That's, okay, uh, I will. I'll keep it brief because that could be a long conversation. It's one of two. Uh, but I, I do want to talk about that. Well, though. I wanted to take a step back from like leading up to that. Like Zolf sabotages the Bastion. Yeah. He's pissed that he learned that your kingdom... I don't know if kingdom is the right word. But he's, he's pissed off to learn that your country was going to, like, basically commit, like, wipe out his people. Um, and it's not, not, only, not only that, like, they were going to, like, they were pretty much... They were ready for it. They're like, all right, we're going to do this, yeah. right? <laughs> they flipped the switch and something went wrong, basically. Yeah. Um, but he ends up, like, going back... There's some Ura that are still alive and that you end up fighting... Um, and he ends up going back, and they turn on him. I can't remember the specific reason why. Because the, you, I, I know you, why. Uh, yeah, because what? because the kid is decimating them, and they blame Zulf for bringing him to them. Oh. So, yeah. So you find Zulf getting beaten up, and you can either choose to basically leave him to die and go and just continue, like, fucking up the Ura. Or there's a, there's a scene where you pick him up, and you're, like, walking him through, like all these like Ura are fighting you like you're being shot by arrows and like they keep slashing you as you're like carrying him and like oh like they start to realize what you're doing like they stop shooting at you mm-hmm. and they just like let you carry his body out and like there's a moment like you get to the end of this like they're sur- surrounding this like pathway you're going through and one takes a shot at you and the guy next to him like basically kills him for shooting you like yeah. they're and- just like letting you walk out because they see that you saved and like you're sort of redeeming what your people tried to do. To save Zulf, you have to drop your weapon too. So you are like, yeah, you you lose your you lose your ability to roll and run. You just have a like walking animation carrying him. It's actually my favorite part of the entire game. Uh, I think it's like it, it has it's heavy. It, yeah, it has some major weight to it. 
Um, and it's cool. Like you, you start walking, you just like start taking damage, and like the the UI kind of fades out, so you don't really know if you have health or not anymore either. Mm-hmm. It is very good. It's, and so I, how, I love why, that it's a decision you, that you have. Why do you to think? Uh, from my understanding, that's one of the few decisions, and if anything, the the only decision you can make in the game. There for are two. Some, oh, there are. Okay, so but specifically, if you take the pacifist route in this case. Um, you know the the game is all about really tight um, mechanics, and you're incentivized for upgrading weapons, and it just it feels mm-hmm. good to um, fuck shit up. Uh, why to you? It does feel good? Why is it effective suddenly to not um, have the ability to um, attack um, in in a moment that's that's more quiet and more focused on the payoff of this narrative that uh, for some people it just might not resonate with i think it's pretty hard for that scene not to resonate that scene is really good and they know like they know that scene is really good (laughs) right i think i think i think kayla is making kind of a good point though like i think it works because as a whole we're at least we try to be fundamentally good people so seeing good people do good things is good Mm -hmm. but i think kayla makes a point like within the context of the game like it's all about breaking stuff Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden you get to this moment where you either true like and it's never like you really connect to these characters. There's not much dialogue, mm-hmm. um, so I, I I think that it's not necessarily a success, a success of the game, but more our inherent humanity. Hmm. Okay. I would say it's. I, I would say that. it's. I, I would say that the thing that makes it uh, successful is that it's the only situation in the entire game where that happens. It is a completely standalone moment, um, mm-hmm. which it's a standalone moment which you have an option to take or not. True. So if you're already leaning in that direction, you can, you know, kind of have a, a really good payoff from it. And I was just, maybe, I was, but I was curious if, as to like, huh? I was like, and, and if you really want to read into it, you could say that it's also a decision of because not only are you saving Zulf, if you take the other route, you also eradicate the remaining Ura. So it is a decision right. on like, we're also in the apocalypse. How many people should I be saving? Sure. I don't, you know, actually, Caleb, this is actually—I had never really thought of this, and it's—it is suddenly more interesting to me than anything else. If you want to break it down, like this is supposed to redeem the kid with the Ura. The kid also basically killed all of them with like reckless abandon, leading up to it, this. Point. Wait, that—that's the thing—is like you have a giant like bull on your head that looks like a lit <laughs> blunt, and then you're just raining <laughs> hellfire. Um, it, as I was rewatching it, the I was thinking blunt. like. A lit bull. <laughs> this thing is gonna buck. Let me tell you. <laughs> oh my god. Um, all right, but point standing, leading up to that, what is the incentive for you as a player to suddenly um, put your weapon down and take? Especially leading up to it, there's that betrayal from Zulf, and you know you're not really properly incentivized for doing it. Um, so it, it just seems like a strange binary 180 shift. Uh, but I'm just trying to wrap in, in my head as to why it's no, I, an option. That's I never thought of that, and I I do think it's a good point. I I just I'm going to stand by what I said, where I think it is our inherent desire to be good people, and not anything that the game set up, anything that the game structured. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that is a good. That is a very good point. I mean, it's and a, I don't have a good answer to it. Okay, it is it, tough. One. I mean, essentially, the game reward. It, the game. I think the. I would say the game rewards you for being a good person because I think that the way that that scene flows is really phenomenal. 
Um, yeah. But also on the, I mean, there's a lot. There are a lot of factors in play. I mean, basically, it's you know, do you want to help this person that now has nothing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. And if you, I mean, if you if you've been following journal entries and you have an understanding of the uh, entire, uh, what is it, Caledum, Caledon? Uh, Caledonia and the Zulf. If you if you've been like following journal entries and you know the underlying uh, tensions between the two groups, I think a lot of the narrator in that level is also themed to that. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. it kind of becomes your like you're like all right, I can kind of see where Zulf is coming from, and then it's like oh now he's got nobody. Like all right, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. Well, do do we got more we want to say about this game? What else do we got? We didn't talk about Zia very much. Uh, who? I, don't really, I mean, she. The girl. Exactly. <laughs> I know. Her song's cool, but she just sort of is like in the game to be a love interest because she's a girl and you're the person playing it's likely a guy, but that's really it. Like. That's why, yeah, that's why I brought it up. I, I always was more interested in like the three and then Zia was like and the obligatory girl. Yeah, that's like, that's exactly how it feels. Because more more of the plot has to do with Ruck, the kid, and Zulf. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Figure I'd bring up Zura in case. But yeah, I mean I don't I don't know. Anybody else have any uh, any other topics on this? No. I mean it's a relatively short game. I think mm-hmm. there's not a whole lot to dive into. I think we dove into good stuff. Let's you... let's go more into this post crit crew analysis section. Yeah. Here, here's what here's it? what I'd love I'd love to ask you guys, like if you would wanna maybe do a follow up episode to Transistor. Um I have it downloaded. That's Supergiant's follow up to bastion um, yes we yes we are gonna have to talk about transistor okay cool cool that'll give me a reason huh. to play it it's very good transistor <laughs> okay. is very good super giant is on top of their game these games are really good um cool they just feel good mm-hmm. i'll go i'll give it that like it, it's um, it's something when something is visually artistic pushing it genre a little bit because this is i mean the way that level structure works it is it is pushing its genre. It's a little it's different and it's trying new things. Mm-hmm. But it also looks great, sounds great, and feels great. I mean, a lot of times mm-hmm. I feel like you kind of get one or the other, where a game that looks really good but plays kind of eh. Mm-hmm. And you can enjoy this game because it plays really well as a very good like pl- isometric platforming shooter. Mm-hmm. Or you can enjoy it as a game which has fantastic music, dialogue, it, and it's like, world it's, building. It's super incredible. Like my my lasting sentiment of Bastion, you know, like it's like I said, it's been very long since I've played it, and I just remember it looking incredible and playing well. Uh, my lasting memory of Bastion is the lead up to it, and because Kasavin was in the industry, he had a lot of his friends from other sites. Um, doing interviews and shooting video footage of the development for this game and the recording of those lines at times was in a closet you know like this they they had really nothing to work from um, and they were kind of just doing it out of the love and passion of their heart and they made something that by all counts is is a very cohesive thing Um, but it's it's more of an inspiring story of game development um the fact you can be you know doing a lot of this in a home and mm-hmm. have it um so fucking polished um yeah what's it's, your it's first inspiring. what's your first experience with bastion david um i got it off of a humble bundle that was my sophomore year of college that came out mm-hmm. um and i played it then 
Yeah, exact same. I, mean, that, I think we got it from the same bundle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Humble Bundle is really we is directly responsible for this podcast. Yeah, thank you, Humble Bundle. <laughs> I've, thank you. I, I, I also I don't know if I I uh, I thanked uh, uh, Logan Cunningham enough. I want to thank him again because <laughs> for just having the voice oh, of the god, oh, his voice. <laughs> yeah, I think that um, I think that I basically remembered getting this in Humble Bundle and like turning it on and seeing just the way that the title screen looked and being like, okay, I'm gonna play this first. <laughs> so do, so do we want to move into everyone's favorite segment? Oh, it's David's favorite segment for sure. I mean, you guys sort of already covered it. Um, yeah, I mean, do I you want to just add your contribution here, a little annotation? Go ahead. Not really, because you guys view this game a lot more favorable than I do. Because, I mean, ultimately, like, within the context of this bit that we do, I'm sure it would be a footnote on something. But, like, personally for me, this game doesn't have a whole lot of impact. Like, it is, it is not a flawed game. It is not, mm-hmm. like, it is a super cohesive is a good way to put it. But it's never been like any like top ten or even like top twenty. Here's here, like for here's it was a good. I'm glad I played it, but it was overall not a lasting I, impression. I, I I do think that like in in this like coffee table book of uh, the art history and video games, <laughs> we have covered really the essential indie games that have helped push the boundaries, especially with Limbo um, last week and, and now Bastion. Um, games of that time that really Mm -hmm. had a very small team but had something very important and different to say than AAA gaming um Mm -hmm. be incredibly well polished and um it it was that i think is going to be that would be the section and bastion would be you know it would be a header um more than a footnote in that chapter i think that here's that is something worth saying um it's a little unfair to this game looking back now that now that we've seen what indie games can do because when this came out like a get caleb's right an indie game being this polished yeah, yeah. polished is a little is impressive like now we've seen so many that it's not a big deal but it does deserve the credit for that the main thing i think is that um whether or not bastion gets the attention it gets super giant will because transistor is very good it's here here's transistor the thing. transistor has an enormous amount of praise so i, I would Max, say we haven't got there yet if we're not we, we, we if we're not gonna let caleb talk about inside you're not allowed to talk about transistor. I, I will i will I, say I, though I, Max, haven't, I haven't beaten transistor i just know that people oh. think it's phenomenal <laughs> i i will say though that transistor's impact certainly not even cl- remotely close to Bastion. There are a lot of people really? in the industry who were not very favorable um, on that game. So mm. it's it's very, overall, overall a very yeah. mixed response in comparison to Bastion. And I, I think a lot it of it, I think a lot of it is the bar that they set with Bastion. I, I really do. I think so. I I think Transistor looks incredible, and I'm excited to play it. Um, yeah. But it's just something of per- yeah. Mm-hmm. Personally, in my bubble, I hear very little of Transistor. Mm-hmm. But again, that's my bubble. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder if part of that is that Transistor doesn't have that voice that voice narration. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think uh, I think that yeah. Supergiant has a unique feel to it, and that their games yeah. are very good. Um, totally. I, I actually I actually have a very very I, I remembered Bastion for a while. I did not have it as a fleeting thought. It's one of my one of I, I sort of rank it with Braid in terms of influence. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. 
we'll have to talk about that eventually. We'll have to talk about Prey. Um, sure. But anyways, thank you guys for listening to this, our, our sweetest episode of the Crit Crew. So sweet. I say for no, per, no apparent reason. Um, so like I said earlier, if you guys want to send us some fan art of Scrooge McDuck diving into a meat pool, or if you want to send us some questions or anything else, that is critcrewpodcast at gmail.com. Um, we got a Facebook group. If you just search Crit Crew on Facebook, we will definitely talk to you there. Look at my graphics or- that I made. Yeah, Caleb puts so much work into making header images for every episode. Just, just throw him a bone, you guys. I already have one for inside, um, ready to go. Of right. course he does. <laughs> it's currently my banner uh, right now. <laughs> perfect, perfect, perfect. So yeah, cool guys. That was a that was an episode we just did. Yeah, guys, go go play Bastion. Please, you really? Us. Yeah, you should. Honestly, it's such a low bar to entry at this point that. It, yeah, it's pretty mm. much available on a platform. See, here, here you are, like being sort of like, oh, I don't know if it's gonna be a header, but then you just call it a bar to entry, like, mm, yeah, for any bar saying... to any bar to entry implies chapter dedicated to Bastion. I think Caleb's trying to say that it's easy as it's hell to easy get this as game hell to get the is. game is what I'm saying. It's it's easy to, it's easy <laughs> to get it's accessible. It's not super hard. It's not. unless you unless no. you want a hundred percent it. All right, um, Caleb. Is there something you'd you'd like to say right now? Like, is is there a special certain something you end this podcast with? The boy thinks about what he's saying. He really toils with all the options available to him. Nerves. You aren't even trying. The voice. <laughs> Nerves. At least, at least try the voice, Caleb. Nerves. You got to at least. You got to at least try. Nerves start to materialize in the boy's brain. He thinks to himself, do I say this? He looks into the camera and utters, this crit is adjourned. 